You know those words we use that we don't, just like, okay, yeah. All right. Say new. new. This is our new sermon series. We're talking about experiencing calm in the chaos. Bless you. Experiencing calm in the chaos. Experiencing the calm in the chaos. In Isaiah 26 and 3, you've heard this scripture before where um, Isaiah says, He will keep you in perfect peace whose minds is what? Stayed on him. When we continue to think about our problems, then our problems stay there. When we think about the Lord, guess what? Do your problems go away? No, they don't go away, but he will show you how to deal with your problems. Just because I said, Lord, come into my heart, according to Romans 10, 9, and 10, my problems did not go away. But I learned how to deal with my situations. I learned how, how God is working on me and not necessarily working on you. Because he wants me to change. Because I can't change you. And when I see him change me, then what you do doesn't matter anymore. Amen? All right. I'm looking at two people, but I'm talking to everybody. All right. Okay, so today we're going to start off, since we're in this holiday season, we're going to talk about the unusual, the unexpected, and the unknown. And I thank you all. I see some of you are taking notes. There's, some, there's one slide in particular I wish I had put up here, but we'll get to that. I'll give you a chance to write it down. But we're going to talk about the unusual, the unexpected, and the unknown. I believe everyone in here, if not most of us, have had somebody to loan us something. Y'all mind if I sit down today? I, I just want to, I just, when I envisioned doing this message, I didn't see myself standing up. I don't know why. But this is kind of like a preacher to partner kind of thing. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, you know, anyway. Yeah, intimate. Thank you very much. See, y'all so good with words. Um, but have you ever had somebody to loan you something and, you know, it was maybe let you borrow a coat? Or, here, you can borrow my car. Or for those of us that ever spent time in a timeshare, and you're like, man, this place is the bomb. I don't want to leave. I don't want to go back to work. You ever had something that you borrowed and you just did not want to give it back? I rented a Suburban one time, and I have been in love with Suburbans ever since, and I really want one. But when people let you borrow stuff, do they not want it back? Especially if they value it as much as you do. But what are they thinking? Why would you let somebody borrow something and then expect it back? Isn't that kind of cold? Cruel? Anybody? It's like when, when you let me borrow it, I want to keep it. If you're not going to let me keep it, don't let me borrow it. I'll put it like that. <laughs> They're not thinking about your feelings. But just remember this, but when it comes to God, God's not going to loan you anything. God is not going to loan you anything. God only gives. God only gives. And we're talking about the unusual, the unknown, and the unexpected. Now, when we think about what, what holiday we just celebrated, which was what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. When we think about Thanksgiving, what comes to mind? It's a time that we reflect, and, and many tables, people sit down <clears throat> as a family or as, a, as family friends and neighbors and co-workers. They sit down, and before they eat, before they even say the prayer, everybody around the table gives thanks. Now, I'm not trying to take away what, what 
the holiday was intended to be, but I'm thinking about where, where we have evolved to. So when we say Thanksgiving, is it really, do we really thank some, do, are we really thankful for what we're giving or are we really saying thank you for what we have received? I'm not trying to change the holiday, but if you think about Thanksgiving in a two-part word, you're saying thanks, and then you're saying giving, and giving is really a third-party word. I am giving you something. So is it really thanksgiving? The giving should be something that we do and not something we receive. So we should be saying, thanks receiving. (laughs) Happy thanks receiving, because that's what we're doing on that day. So what ends up happening? I don't know what everybody else does on Sundays, but for me, I'm pretty methodical about eating breakfast, and I eat breakfast fairly early. Don't know about lunch because you're getting out of church. You might be hungry then. You might eat a big lunch slash dinner so you don't eat dinner. Maybe eat a snack later on. But think about it. Starting on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we eat probably three times every day. Most of us do that. But then for some reason on Wednesday, we're like, yeah, I kind of need to kind of trim it back a little bit because you know tomorrow. And then... Thursday, we turn a great celebration into something that we've been doing all through the week. Why is it we're celebrating eating? I ate yesterday. I didn't celebrate eating yesterday. Who, who celebrated eating lunch or dinner yesterday? Nobody. So why do we all of a sudden idolize something that's something that we do every day? And I kind of joke with people that... You know, I'm all for those shows, like those of us that are old enough remember a woman named Julia Child. And she started, she was like the grand, or the matriarch of all the modern day cooking shows. She would show you how to cook a turkey, how to cook a chicken, how to cook yams. But now we've taken something as important as food and elevated to the place where it's like, all right, we have a competition going. You got three minutes. And then after they cook this and then they cook that, and it's like, well, you didn't really put your heart into it. You know, I'm I really not feeling the essence of your passion in how you filleted the fish. These portions are really, I mean, it's good, but if I were you, this is what I was doing. But why don't we have shows about, you know, if you really want to vacuum your floors, you really need to go with the grain and then go across the grain. Or, you know, if you really want your whites to be white, you don't always need as much bleach We make reality shows about cooking, but we don't make reality shows about cleaning our houses. And other things are just as important. Sadly enough, in 2012, a report came out, Bloomberg Report, it was called. On an average, and you can go to different websites and find different things, but on an average, 25,000 people die every single day worldwide from malnutrition. 25,000 people die every single day from malnutrition. And when it comes to children, that's more than AIDS, HIV, tuberculosis, as well as malaria. All of them combined. More children die from starvation and malnutrition than from all of those diseases combined. But here we sit in the United States. And we get so stressed because, oh, 
<sighs> I forgot about a pie for grandma. I cooked everybody else a pie, but I forgot grandma. She ain't going to speak to me for a month. My name is Mud. Oh, we're going to Walmart. I just need some aluminum foil. Can y'all open up? For, I just need some aluminum foil. That's all I need. I'll get in. I'll get Can I please? And we get so stressed out over this food on this day of Thanksgiving. And we're not considering what's the most important thing, and that is the unusual, the unexpected, and the unknown. Because it's all about who? It's all about me. It's all about that big turkey and that dressing and cranberry sauce. Y'all like cranberries? Yeah. Oh, I love. What's Pam? Okay. And she's wearing a cranberry color shirt, too. <laughs> But it's, it, we make it all about ourselves. So we know why Jesus came. He came to save the world from his sins. And Jesus said in Matthew, also in other gospels, he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And who did he came, come to serve? The who? The unusual, the unexpected, and the unknown. That's who he came for. And as we, we talked about in James chapter 3 where it talks about the tongue. It says that with the same tongue, we curse those and bless those who are made in whose image? In God's image. The people just like us. So if we're trying to be Christ-like, why are we saying, well, you're to serve me? Why? No, I'm looking to seek and to serve those who are lost. I'm looking for the unusual, the unexpected, and the unknown. Y'all understand? So who, who fits in this category? Who fits in this category? Let's use the parable that Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And I'm reading from the NIV version. And, and let me tell you. I've heard, this, I've heard this lesson so many times, and it did not apply to me until this week, and it really hit home. For whatever reason, gas in Norfolk is a lot cheaper than Chesapeake. It is? Yeah. And I, don't, I can't speak for Virginia Beach, but when it comes to, because that's where I go, Norfolk, Chesapeake, Norfolk, Chesapeake, back and forth to work. Gas is so much cheaper, so I'm thinking, all right, I need to go to Portsmouth, get my hair cut, and then come back home. So I'm leaving, and I see one gas station, and it's 219. And I'm thinking, wow, well, I know another gas station. I know it's cheaper down there. So I go down there, and that store, I don't want to mention the name, but you can get a lot of stuff in that store besides gas. So it's packed. And I pull in, and every pump has a car behind it. So I pull in behind one, like, okay, I'm ready to wait. I sit there for maybe 60 seconds. A whole minute. And everybody's moving around and people are circling around. People are getting air and people are going in the store. And I'm sitting there. And probably about after 60 seconds, the door opens up and the guy gets out. So he's been sitting in his van the whole time. So I'm okay with, I mean, there are people who don't believe in using credit cards or they choose to use cash, whatever you do. So he goes inside, all right? He don't want to pay at the pump. He's going inside. So he's inside, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I see a car pull up beside me behind this other person, and we're waiting. 
Then I see that car in that line move forward. This person gets out, pulls forward. They get out, and they go inside to pay for their gas. Then next thing I know, they pull up, and they're pumping their gas. And I'm still waiting for the guy in front of me. You want me to call this license plate out? <laughs> so, I, you know, I don't get upset. No, I, no, I'm sorry. I was really upset. I was really upset. Like, come on now. Pay for your gas, pump your gas, move your car, and then let me move up. Then you can go buy your groceries or get a sandwich or whatever you want to do. So I leave there, go to the barbershop. As I'm leaving, I'm over in Portsmouth, and I see a gas station that says, it's 205. I'm sorry, it's 205 where I'm going. I see a gas station that says 209. I'm like, that's a good price. That's a good price, and I'm going somewhere with this. That's a good price. So I pull in, and I'm pumping gas. When I get ready to pump the gas, it wasn't 209, it was 207. It was cheaper than what was already posted. And on top of that, there was a young lady, two young ladies there who were down and out, and they needed a word of encouragement. It wasn't about where I was. It wasn't about my inconvenience. For, and I would say I sat there probably at that pump a minute before he got out and five minutes after he got out. And I was frustrated, and there were things going through my mind that if I would have done them, and let's leave it at that. But it was because of the situation that I thought I was in was not the one God wanted me to be in. Everything that we go through is not for your convenience and for my convenience. It may be something for someone else. And what we're going through may not be a temporary thing. It may not last five minutes. It may last you five years. And stop, we need to stop asking, why am I going through this? Because it may not be for you, Sister Nikki. It ain't got nothing to do with you, Sister Pamela. It's about someone else further down the road. You can tell them that I overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. It was not about the two extra cents that I had to pay for a gallon of gas. It was about two souls that needed to be encouraged. It was not about me. Who was it about? It was about the unusual, the unexpected, and the unknown. So Jesus, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the synoptic Gospels. Synoptic. And the reason being is they pretty much all tell the same story. But John's varies in other ways, and, and that's not what this is about. But the synoptic Gospels. In Matthew, Jesus is asked a question by one of the Pharisees, a lawyer of the Pharisees. Jesus, what must I do to inherit life, uh, eternal life? And I'm paraphrasing. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus was like, you're right. In all of these hang the law of the prophets. The law and the prophets, excuse me. In Mark... The same question is asked by the same gentleman. He replies, Jesus, he says, and the man goes on to say this and say this, and Jesus tells him that um, you have come close, excuse me, you are very near the kingdom. But it's in Luke's gospel, it's where Jesus actually tells them the parable of the Samaritan, of the good Samaritan. So here we go. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, the expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, Jesus. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and with all of your mind, and do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. Now, that's a lot of stuff, to love God and to love your neighbor. But he says, you do this, and you will live. Verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself, the man who asked Jesus. So he asked Jesus, well, then who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? He replied, in Jesus' reply, he said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down on the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to that place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey donkey, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took him, he took out two denarii and gave him to the innkeeper. Look, excuse me, look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So let's look at this. Who is this man who has been beaten on the road? Who is he to you? He is the what? The unusual, the unexpected, and the unknown. How many of us have ever been driving down the road and seen an accident occur? Someone is in a ditch or hit a pole or hit a tree or hit a deer, and you had to get out of your car because everybody else kept going. And you went over and you bandaged their wounds. You gave them first aid. You put them in your car and you took them to the hospital. And you told the technicians when you got there, here's $500 deposit and I'll come back on tomorrow. And whatever the cost is, I'll take care of it. How many of us have ever done that? Nobody. Mother, you were a nurse. You ain't do that. You weren't that kind of nurse. So we've never done what this man did, the Samaritan did for this man on the side of the road. But how many of you know of people on your job? Now, you're the Christian. You're supposed to be the one who separated and set apart. How many people, how many of you know people on your job that they are, they are outcast and everyone else looks at them and they go to the other side of the room? How many people in your family that no one else will talk to because they have attitudes and when they get around them, they go to the other side of the room. It's not always about the person on the road who's hit the hit the tree or hit the deer. It's about the people in your life who have been cast away and you have to be. I have to be the good Samaritan. Because everyone else is walking around. Well, we're talking about 
the priest and the Levite, and I'm getting ahead of myself probably, the priest and the Levite. We look at the priest as, man, if I got a problem, you're the one I call. So we're talking about the pastor and a deacon. We're talking about the minister and the usher. The very same people in the church that we're supposed to be looking at, we're not looking at them. Because what? You, you want something. And, and I can't take care of you. you got, I know your situation. You got too many needs. So let's look at this. Point number one. Don't look for the limitations of love. Do not look for the limitations of love. Jesus told them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and your neighbor. Do this and what? And you will live. So how many times do I have to forgive them? Seven times? Seven times 70. So we want to put limitations on love. Do, do I have to? I don't like hugging people. It's like, okay, if you don't hug them, that's fine. Can you speak? <laughs> you ain't got to hug them. And I mean, I understand. Some people don't want to be hugged. And I'm okay with that. But you can't speak. You can't talk to somebody. Can, can I get a ride home? I'm not going that way. You lying rascal. Yeah, I heard you talking already. You're going right by there. I know you live over there and I live over here, but you told me you was going over there. We, we want to put limitations on the love. Lord, what do I have to do to check this off and to be good in your sight? If I go to church today, Lord, is that enough for you? If I raise my hand during praise and worship, is that enough? We want to put limitations. We want to do the bare minimum that's going to please God. We put limitations on the love. What limited Jesus from coming down off the cross? What held him up there? The same love that we want to cheat other people out of. Because we're thinking about us and not those people. So, this man is asking, well, who is my neighbor? He has, he has a question, well, then who is my neighbor? Well, let's do a, let's, let's do a little quiz here. We know what the definition of labor is, or neighbor is. Who's my volunteer? I need one volunteer. Oh, no. Come on, y'all. We're being intimate on today. Oh, there's my volunteer. He just stood up. Okay, well, you can, sit, you can sit down. I mean, you didn't have to get up yet. Thank you. So I want you to define the word clean up, and I'll use it in the sentence. I'm going to clean up my room. Define that term, clean up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, 
oh, he was going to dust a little bit. But he dust after he swept. So now everything, all that dust, like the one that I saw on my lamp last night, I was like, are you kidding me? So we vacuum first and then we dust. And all that dust is mounting on the floor. Now we need to vacuum again. So what people mean by clean up, when I was a kid, I went through a, through a phase where when I did laundry, after I did laundry, I put all my clothes on my bed and I left them there. And then when I needed my clothes, I mean, I'm being honest, I went through a phase and when I needed my clothes, I was like, okay, I made my bed, <laughs> look, I pulled my, my covers back up and left, my, left all my clothes on top of my bed. And I did that. Uh, so I'm not alone. Thanks. <laughs> so that, that was my idea of cleaning up. Anybody else? Oh, you spilled the beans. Okay. Lawn care. You see a truck driving by. It's like, oh, they do lawn care. So who's my next volunteer? Define lawn care. Brother Tom? Trim the hedges and do the edging and weeding and make up the grass and go away with trimmings. <laughs> okay. So now my, my, now my drain won't drain. There's a puddle of water in front of my house because you blew all of your clippings down the street into my drain. Guilty as charged. <laughs> but that's what we do. Nobody picks up leaves anymore. They blow them all down the street in their neighbor's yard. But lawn care, what about... What about when my grass starts dying? What about the weeds in there? Lawn care to me means you are taking care of my lawn, not cutting my grass. If I'm paying you for lawn care, I want lawn care, care for my lawn. So understand that when you say neighbor, neighbor can be a lot of different things. But we have to think about the unusual, the unexpected, and the unknown. So for me to say to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all your strength and all your might, and to love your neighbor as yourself in your life, but I can't, I can't really love my neighbor. It's like a, a man and a woman who meet each other, and one of them already has children. And it's like, you know, I love you. I love you to the moon and back. In fact, I love you to Mars and back, because y'all know the probe just landed and all that. But I can't deal with your kids. Well, if you can't love my kids, you can't love me. If you cannot love my kids like they were your own, you can't love me. See ya. We cannot love God and not love our neighbors. You cannot separate them. Just like you cannot separate the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You cannot say, I love God, and you don't love your neighbors. So we cannot put limitations on God. And I say this, if you think you know who your neighbors are, you don't know who your neighbors are. Did I put that up there? If you think you know who your neighbors are, then you don't know who your neighbors are. Does that make sense? Oh, I, I, I know who my neighbors are. I know. I know who I'm supposed to minister to. I know who I'm. But you're not thinking about the unusual, the unexpected, and the unknown. We never know who God's going to put in our way. Number two. Got it? Give it. Got it? 
give it. And, and I want us, I don't want to focus on the food part like I talked about Thanksgiving. And I'm not necessarily talking about finances, the monetary things. I'm talking about everything in your fiber, everything within your being. Y'all getting something out of this? Okay. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. In this parable, Jesus is referring to the master who goes away and leaves his servant in charge. And when he's gone, he's beating on people. Then he's sitting there having these drunken parties. And in verse, verse 48, he says, but the one who does not know. Can we read this together? My voice is getting a little hoarse. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with a few blows. Because we do things that are wrong, but we don't know. But the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So there will be a few blows, things that we will be punished for because we didn't do what we should have done. Now, altogether, from everyone who has been given, 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 much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. King James Virgin, we know, says, to whom much is given, much is required. God gives some the gift of healing, but we don't like people. I, ooh, I don't like people. Last time I shook hands with somebody, I had a cold for a week. I don't like being around people. People make me nervous. I just like being by myself. God has given us so many things, but I want to look past the spiritual gifts that God has given us. Think about the other things that God has given you, the things I talked about before. Understand we have to be prayerful. And Pastor Wendy talked about this, I think it was last week, um, how to know God's will and to be able to pray. And we talked about it, I'm sorry, in Bible study. Is we've got to get in God's word. To know how to pray and to know God's will, we've got to know when the Spirit is speaking to us, is going to be in accordance with his word. So you can't do everything that you want to do. It may be a great idea, but it may not be, may be a good idea, but it may not be a God idea. If any one of the women in this room are driving down the road at 6.30, 7 o'clock at night, and it's already dark, and you see another woman standing on the side of the road, and you don't pick her up, I don't fault you. Because you don't know if there is a group of men in the bushes standing behind a wall hoping that you will take pity on her. We've got to be led by the Spirit of God. If you do that, it's good. But if you don't, you have to answer to God for your actions. And God knows exactly where you are. God knows exactly where you are. If there is not a peace. There was a time when, back in the 80s, when I would drive back and forth from Texas to Virginia, because that's where I was, I was stationed. It was nothing back in the 80s. When you got tired, you pulled off on the shoulder of the road, and you went to sleep. And nobody messed with you. The cops didn't mess with you. The police didn't mess with you. The state troopers didn't mess with you. Nobody messed with you. Nowadays, you can't do that. You can't even go to a rest stop. It's like, honey, stay awake because I got to take a nap. You have to watch and pray. But those things that we have, we have transportation, but we don't want to give somebody a ride. 
We've got extra food in our cupboards, but we don't want to feed the homeless. We have the word in us, but we don't want to share it. But if you've got it, you've got to learn to give it. We want a 200 pair of dollar shoes, but we would dare not give away a 200 dollar pair of shoes. Now, I'm going to wear them things till the soles come off. Then I'm going to have new soles put on them. We would dare not give away a $200 pair of shoes. Do you know how long I had to work? How many jobs I had to have? Do you know how much education, how much college, how many tests that I had to get to get a job so I could afford $200 shoes? But we wouldn't dare give it away. Why? I can't answer that. Selfish. We're selfish. The same thing, all that food that we cooked on Thanksgiving. <laughs> How many of us still got food in our refrigerator from Thanksgiving? <laughs> I mean, really, we do. <laughs> Call me before you do, all right? <laughs> Look. You put gravy on it, man, please. It's still good. You put gravy on it, it's good. Okay. My third point. Don't judge people because of the road they're on. Don't judge people because of the road they're on. Now, Revelations in the last, I think it's 22 chapters in Revelations. Anyway. Last chapter, it says, if any man adds to this word, so will I add plagues to him. If any man takes away from this word, so shall I take away from them. So I'm not going to add, and I'm not going to take away, but I'm going to modify the word of God. (laughs) How many of y'all say modify? Modify the word of God. All right. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Don't judge people because they wrote their own. Jesus replied saying, a man was going down from Jerusalem to to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. Now, modify. Say modify. Then there was a, (coughs) excuse me, in my method. (laughs) There was a conference of priests that happened to be going down the same road. Next verse. And then there was a group of Levites that came and passed passed the same way. There was a man that went down, but there was a group of priests and a group of Levites. Isn't that what the word says? No. That's not what it says. What does it say? A man went down that road. Then it says a priest went down that road. Then a Levite went down that same road. Now, this road from Jerusalem to Jericho was nicknamed called the Way of Blood. It was about almost 16 miles long. They said it was called the Way of Blood because of the very same thing constantly happened. People were getting robbed and beaten. Everything was taken from them. So they just called the Way of Blood. Which way? Hey, where are you going? I'm going to, oh, you're going the Way of the Blood. The Way of Blood. But this, uh, this man, it doesn't give him a title. Doesn't knock myself out. Hello? Can y'all hear me? Okay. 
This man went down this road and he was robbed and beaten and all these other things that happened. But the priest went down, nothing happened to him. The Levite went down, nothing happened to him. But we judge people because they did something and something bad happened. I did. Nothing happened to me. What's, what's your problem? You know, I, I went through school and I had no problem. See, your problem is you want to hang out and, and, and you ain't studying enough. The reason why you're having problems on your job is because you got too much stuff going on at home. You know, the reason why you have so much anger is because you haven't forgiven your mother. We judge people who are doing the same things we have done. They've done the same things we have done. And they've gone down the same road we've gone down. And all of a sudden, we get to the end of the road and we've judged them. They went the same way you went. People ever call you and ask you, hey, where you at in traffic? Man, I'm stuck in this traffic. Where you are on the trip? And I'm stuck in traffic. See, I ain't go that way. See, we have all this technology that helps us to see another way. But we have gone down many rough roads. And many people have followed us because they saw us make it. Not realizing everything that we went through to get to the end of that road. Don't judge people because, they're, because of the road they're on. Just because we made it through doesn't make me any better. It's very easy to judge people on their present when people could easily judge us on our past. It's so easy to judge people based on their present when they could easily judge us on our past. The other thing about this, in verse 30, going back to verse 30, and this is a slide I wish I had put up here. It says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Say he was attacked by these robbers. First thing they did to him, well, they, they attacked him, was they stripped him of his clothes. So first thing they did was they took away his dignity. They stripped him of his clothes. Think about, I mean, let's be for real. Just think about you were somewhere and you were in the mall. And someone just got up in your face. It's like, you know, you bumped into them and they, they all of a sudden get in your face like, look, look, look where you're going. Look where you're going. And they got all their boys or their girls around them. And so they got back up. You don't. You're pushing a stroller. And they walk up to you and yank and pull your jacket off you. Or they yank and they pull your shirt. You have lost your dignity just that quick. So the first thing they did was they stripped him of his dignity. Then it says they beat him. I mean, come on now. You see in movies all the time, it's like, here, take my wallet, just don't hurt me. Take my wallet, just don't hurt me. They beat him. So they took his dignity, dignity and now they have demoralized him taken away his dignity, and they've demoralized him. Do you know people that have lost dignity? Because someone stripped them of something. People have been demoralized. They said, then they went away. How many people do you know, again, like I said before, 
They, li they live around people, but they're always lonely. They're always lonely. Leaving him half dead. There are people walking around. You think they're full of life. And they are so empty on the inside. It's not about the accident. It is not about the physical situation people are in. It's looking past who they are and the situation they're in. The people on our jobs, the people in our families, the unusual, the unexpected, the unknown. I had no idea after all these years you were going through that. Same mom, same dad, same house. And I never knew that's how you felt. I'm not going to ask what, but I, I want to see how many of you have just found out something or just told someone really close to you that they never knew before. Anybody? And I, and I say recently, I say within the last five or six years. And, and they're like, are you kidding me? I didn't know that. So guess who you are now? You are the unusual. You are the unexpected. You are the unknown. So we can be, at any given time, we can be on both ends of the spectrum. And I'm almost done. My last point is this. Not every problem is a quick fix. Not every problem is a quick fix. And again, how long did it take me? I had, thank God I had enough gas in my car to go from Norfolk over to Portsmouth, then back to Chesapeake. <laughs> Yeah, everybody that stopped me, I said, you know Richard, right? <laughs> but that situation could have been a whole lot worse. Situation could have been a whole lot worse. Every situation we get involved in, it's not going to be a quick fix. Because people have different issues. We have to be prayerful. Some things are, are they're, they're just a no-brainer. If you, if you see mother going out the door, do you need to pray about opening the door for mother? It's a no-brainer. Just open the door and keep it moving. You don't have to know them. You don't have to give them a track. You can just say, God bless you. You know, just, and just keep it moving. You don't have to pray about every single thing. And I mean things like that. But something, well, most things. And I, and I don't want to contradict the word. I'm off the word modify. But in all things, with prayer and supplication, in all that ways acknowledging him, he will direct your path. But some things we get into and we have to say, I can't do this long term. I can't give you a ride every day. I can't drive from Norfolk to the oceanfront and take you to Chesapeake and I work in, in uh, Surrey. Or Williamsburg. I can't do that every single day. You tell me your car broke down and I need, just need to do this one time. I'm like, yeah, no problem. I'll get up extra early. I'll call my boss and tell him I'm going to be a little bit late, but I can't do that every day. But some things are, are quick and ready, simple, and, and some things just aren't. But we have to pray and ask God for patience, endurance, guidance, and all of these things. But in Luke, back to the parable, Chapter 10, verse 34. He went to him. 
the Samaritan. He bandaged his wounds. He thought more than then just calling 911. He bandaged his wound, pouring in oil and wine. The oil and wine were for the soothing of his pain and for the healing process to begin. Much like pouring on a, a, a balm and an antiseptic. Then he put him on his own donkey. Brought him to the end and did what? He didn't just drop him off. He took care of him. He did all of these things. Put him on his donkey. Put him in the front seat of his brand new, still got the 30-day tags. <laughs> And took care of him. And then the next verse. Then the next day. The next day. Where was the Samaritan going? Where was he going? Where, somewhere else. But wherever he was going, this was more important. Wherever he was going, this was more important. And he said, look after him. I'm passing him off to you. And he said, when I return. Okay, he watched three movies on HBO. He ordered room service. Then he ordered a pizza. And in the middle of the night, he called for Chinese takeout. But whatever it costs, I'm willing to bear that. But every situation we get ourselves involved in, we can't say, Lord, how long is this going to take? I'm not going to get in this. Because you know, Lord, I got things to do. You know, you know my schedule, Lord. You know I got all this stuff going on. You know the people I got to take care of. But everything is not going to be a quick fix. Everything is not going to be a quick fix. So let me ask this question. How far are you willing to go? What are you willing to do to help? And how much is it going to cost you to help? The unusual, the unexpected, and the unknown. Did y'all get anything out of this? I want us to, to, and and I can't thank you all enough for what you all do um, as far as even like with the school. But it's, it's about a mindset. It's about a mindset of looking beyond who we think our neighbors are. You know, we know people in here, you know, that y'all are neighbors. But your neighbor isn't just your brother or your sister. It's like, well, they live down in South Carolina. That's my neighbor. I'll go to the ends of the earth for my brother. But we won't go to the end of the block for someone else. I tell you what, if you want to see Pastor Wendy move quick, if you want to see Pastor Wendy run, is for us to be sitting in our house and she looks out and sees a dog running straight. Oh, she's, she's moving. And for her, I mean, and I'm not making fun, that's her neighbor. Because guess what? That dog has an owner. That dog has an owner. And you take that dog and you give that dog back to that owner. That becomes your neighbor. That's your neighbor. The unusual, 
the unexpected, and the unknown. We can't put God in a box and say what he is going to do, how he's going to do it, when he's going to do it, for how long he's going to do it. If, if you don't get anything for Christmas, don't let that stop you from giving. Don't let it, don't let it burden you because, you know, I thought the kids were going to get together and give me this and I thought I was going to get this bonus and I was going to do this. They always give us. And guess what? But God is always on the throne. He's the only one. Say that again. He's the only one you can depend on. Sadly, I read an article after, after Black Friday. Sears. They thought, oh, we're gonna we're gonna sell some merchandise. They said it was like a ghost town. Sears had been booming for all of those years. Huh? 140 years Sears has been in business. So what what do you do if you work for Sears now? You you gotta depend on God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's, let's, and not, and I'm not talking about just for the holidays. I'm saying a, a way of life. And it's not always about, I don't have money to give. Well, do you have some time? Do you have a few minutes? Can you go over there and speak to that person that nobody else talks to? Can you just say hi? Hey, how's it going? And expect the long answer. It can't, it's not always going to be a quick fix. How you doing? Oh, you don't know the half of it. Well, I only have time for a quarter of it, okay? <laughs> I can't hear the whole story. But I mean, some people just want to talk. They don't want, to, they don't want you to fix their problems. They just want to talk. Because it could be you. You could be the one on that road. Getting robbed, getting beaten. Being demoralized. Having everything that you own taken away from those of you who are on Facebook, we, we pray that you have received a message that will let God use you in a different way. And we're not asking you to give what you don't have. But there is something in your life, whether it be time or resources, connections, something that you can use that will be a blessing to someone else. And the more you give, God says, I will supply seed to the soul. And for those of you that have heard this message and say, you know something, that makes good sense, but I really don't understand. Perhaps it's because you don't have the relationship with Jesus Christ that you need to have. No one comes to the Father but by Jesus. So we want to pray with you so that this message and others that you hear in the future, the Holy Spirit can bring revelation and understanding to you that you can be a blessing to someone else. So we pray, Father, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. For I know that what Jesus did on the cross for me was to save me from my sins. 
accept you in my life. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Thank you for the gift. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. 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 Can everyone just grab somebody's hand? Just grab somebody's hand. You don't have to, you don't have to stand. We're, we're in that intimate moment right now. to understand for example what what cleanup means what lawn care means what care means and what one thing means to me may not mean the same thing to someone else but we want to understand what it means to love that love really has no limitations. We want to know what it means to care for others. We want to know what it means to seek, to search. We want there to be thanksgiving, true thanksgiving, to be able to give and to give thanks for the ability and the resources to give. Not that we're not grateful, Father. We are so grateful for everything that you've done for us. But we also want to be able to bless the others. Even the most popular people can get lonely. The most beautiful people may see themselves as ugly. The tallest people may suffer from low self-esteem. The one with the most friends may have the fewest friends of all. But we want to stand in the gap. We want to bless people. We want to show them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We want to bless them to do the unusual, the unexpected, and the unknown. And there is not a devil in hell. There is not a demon, nor false prophet, no evil any workers of iniquity that can stop the love of God in Christ Jesus. For love covers a multitude of sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
some, he's given, he, we had a meeting with him, and he's put out some great things for the teens, for his age group to do, and we are going to begin to launch it. When I tell you this man is full of vision, and, and y'all pray for him, because he really goes through because of what God has placed inside of him, and the enemy does not want him to bloom and to go forward. So he really goes through on a whole nother level than what most young people do. Gabe, I need for you to, to lock your arms into him, man. So you go sit over there by Gabe. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let's stand to our feet. Don't forget tonight. You don't want to get there at 7 o'clock now because you may not have a seat. You want to get there a little early. Amen. Did you have something to do with